The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. of people in their 40s and 50s have both an aging parent and a child under the age of 21. Caring for people in multiple generations demands time, love, attention, and more. Welcome to Caught Between Generations with your host, Dr. Merrill Griff. Our program will bring you the information you need as a family caregiver for everyone for whom you care, with guest experts and resources to help you keep sane and organized. Now, here is Dr. Merrill Griff. Hi, welcome to Caught Between Generations radio show. My name is Deanna, and I'm sitting in for Dr. Merrill Griff today, who is on vacation. And today, we're going to talk about a hot topic. We're going to be talking about anger. If you've been reading the paper, watching the news, or even browsing online, it can seem like anger is spreading like wildfire. Road rage seems commonplace. Political debates and divisions have our emotions in overdrive. Marches and rallies are turning explosive. And social media, well, let's not even talk about that. Oh, wait, we will. Um, With our guest, Dr. Ryan Martin. He's a psychologist and anger researcher at the University of Wisconsin-Green Bay. Welcome, Ryan. Hello. Thank you for having me. Hi. Thank you for coming. Um, Ryan, what in the world is going on? That's the question we all want to (laughs) know. But you know what? It's probably not the right question to start with. So... I'm gonna. I'm not gonna start with that, but we're gonna get there. Um, right. But I really, I really want to start with why did you decide to study anger in the first place? <laughs> you know, that's uh, that's a question actually people usually don't start with. So I appreciate uh, uh, your asking. Um, you know, it, it was something I was interested in. I got really interested in when I was in college. I was a psychology major and um, was really you know fascinated by this emotion. Um, because I worked with a lot of at-risk uh, adolescents um, at, a, at a shelter at the time, it really felt like anger was this really salient emotion and that so often so many of them were, were consistently getting into trouble because of their difficulty dealing with and expressing their anger. And one of the things I realized much later on was how many of them had what I would say were really good reasons to be angry. These were kids whose lives were very, very difficult, um, who had a, a number of struggles that were absolutely not their fault in any way. And, um, and they had a lot, you know, there was good reason for them to be so angry. Um, however, um, part of what kept becoming, like a lot of kids, what was often a problem for them is that they were just handling their anger in a really maladaptive, problematic way and getting themselves into trouble. Uh, and so I went on to graduate school. Uh, I studied uh, with Dr., or under Dr. Eric Dolan at the University of Southern Mississippi, and he was a, a really th- a thriving anger researcher, still is a thriving anger uh, researcher uh, there. And um, 
you know, that's when I really started to, to kind of figure out what anger was all about and um, get a better understanding of it. Wow. So what, what did you learn during that time? How long did you study it? So I've been studying it basically since 1999, um, when I started graduate school. Um, and That's a long the, time. Yes, yeah. So the, <laughs> the, the questions, yeah, we're coming up on 20 years now, which uh, is really something. But I think the thing that I've, I've realized is that when I, when I went to graduate school, I was really very focused on anger as a maladaptive or problematic emotion, right? I, I thought of it mm-hmm. as something bad. And I think what I've realized or what I realized relatively quickly um, and the thing that I always like to try and convey to people is that anger isn't uh, inherently bad. It's actually inherently good. It, it serves this really adaptive, important purpose in our lives of alerting us to the fact that we've been wronged and encourage, or energizing us to confront injustice. Um, like anything, like any emotion, whether we're talking about anger or fear or sadness or, or anything else, um, what matters most isn't, isn't the feeling state, but how we express it. That there are healthy, adaptive ways to express anger and there are problematic ways of expressing anger. And we can actually kind of harness anger's power and the energy we get from it to express uh, the emotion in a really healthy way and, and to achieve uh, particular outcomes we want to achieve. So what I think I hear you saying is anger has value? Absolutely. Um, it is um, like all emotions, and this is, uh, you know, my pers- I teach a course on emotion uh, more generally, not just specific to anger, and like all emotions, mm-hmm. it's got this uh, evolutionary adaptive value, right? Sadness and motivates us to r- replace uh, a loss that we've experienced. Um, fear motivates us to flee from danger. Uh, anger motivates us to confront an injustice and solve that problem. You know, that's fun. And that's really interesting because so many of us think that anger is, we've been taught, I think, um, and I'm not sure exactly where it came from, that anger is a bad thing. Yeah, we really talk about anger in a very different way than we tend to talk about uh, other emotions because, you know, even the, the language anger management um, suggests that anger needs to be managed. You know, you never hear people talk about sadness management or fear management <laughs> in the same way. Um, and it Unless they're talking about ice cream, right? Right, Sadness exactly. management with ice cream. That's a joke on the show almost every week. <laughs> exactly, okay. Um, and, and so, you know, you hear the, the way we talk about anger makes it feel to people like there's something wrong with it and it needs to be managed in ways that other emotions don't need to be managed. Now, and to be clear, I don't have any problem with the idea of managing anger. I, I get that there are, are healthy and unhealthy ways of expressing it, but I think that you could, there's something about that language that really conveys this idea that in its nature, anger is unhealthy, and we need to, to find ways to decrease it. Okay, so are some people dis- more disposed to anger? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we, I mean, when you think about why people get angry, and this is the, the sort of uh, a big focus of my research is, has been to explore the reasons why people get angry. Um, it it's always happens because there's sort of a, 
there, there's sort of two pieces, if we're going to simplify things a little bit here. One is there's some sort of provocation, something that happens mm-hmm. usually in the world around us. And then, and that's the first part. And that's all people tend to focus on, right? They think about the, the person who cut them off in traffic or the red light they keep hitting or, or what, you know, or red lights they keep hitting or whatever. There's that. And people tend to focus on that. The other piece of it is actually the, the more important piece is how we interpret those events. And so how we interpret those provocations is much bigger than the actual provocation. So, you know, if I get stopped by a red light, there's two ways of thinking about that. I can, well, there's infinite ways of thinking about it, but, but let's imagine two ways. One is um, this, you know, uh, well, oh well, I hit a red light, not a big deal. I, I don't need to, be, I'm, I'm not in a hurry or anything like that, right? Just, mm-hmm. that's it. And you don't get angry when that happens. You just accept that as part of your daily experience. The other way is, oh, man, I hit every red light, it seems like. <laughs> or looking and thinking, oh, they really need to time these lights better on this road. You know, you can't get through here without hitting them all or something like that. And that's a very different interpretation of the exact same stimulus. And um, Every time I go this way and have to be at work at a certain time, I hit all these lights. <laughs> yep, exactly. And, you know, it's that, and it, we, we actually call some of that language, uh, it's a combination of, of overgeneralizing, right, where you're saying every time this happens, I, you know, of course it's not every time, but it feels like every time. And, mm-hmm. um, and then it's also catastrophizing, this idea that this is sort of the worst thing that's ever happened, uh, you know, that, and how terrible it is and how it's going to ruin your day or, or whatever. And we know that some people are just more prone to those types of thoughts. They're more prone to uh, thoughts of um, like uh, what we call dictatorial demands, you know, thinking the world is there to serve them in some way, um, being more prone to catastrophizing, overgeneralizing. Um, uh, you know, angry people tend to label people in really negative ways, right? They use foul language to, to label people and, um, or even, you know, just calling people a, a good example is, you know, you get cut off by a car in front of you and you label that person a total idiot. And, you know, the funny thing about driving is we don't know anything about the person in front of us. Uh, they, they may be brilliant, but we've already labeled them a total idiot. And because of that, that's how we think of them. That's how we respond to them. That's how we think about the, the story that's just happened. Wow. That's, that's a lot of good information right there. <laughs> so other than driving, mm-hmm. why are people angry? Why are people, or do you think people are more angry today? I mean, let's just jump right into that question that yep. I avoided in the beginning. Are people more angry today you know, than years ago? And this is a great question. And I wish more than anything that I, I felt like we had a really good metric to base this on. Um, I, I have, I mean, that, because the short answer to that question is, I have no idea. The, the <laughs> mm-hmm. longer Good answer. answer the, the longer answer is, it sure seems like it. Um, but then I don't know if that's simply because we've made anger visible in ways that it never was before. Meaning, you can videotape people's angry outbursts and put it online. You see it on Twitter and Facebook and a host of other places. Um, all of those things mean that we might be making it more visible and that it's always been there. It's just public. 
the, the flip side, though, is I can see a lot of reasons why people are angrier now than they used to be. Um, mm-hmm. you, can, you can talk about, you can point to things like um, population increase. You know, there's, there are more people and living in tighter quarters and um, that that may end up driving some anger um, because it leads to some, some basic things that we know tend to bring out uh, angry responses, right? The competition for resources, more uh, the impact of other people slowing us down and things like that. You know, that, that could lead to an increase in anger. Um, I think there's lots of reasons why um, social media uh, leads to increases in anger. Um, and mm-hmm. we can get into those if, if you would like at, at some point. But I think there's... so. You know, when people ask, you know, are we angrier than we used to be? I guess the, I, don't, I don't know for sure. I can see reasons why we are. But then I'm also very aware of the fact that some of this is just that we are much, that anger is much more visible uh, than it used to be. And so since it's much more visible, do you think people feel more comfortable expressing anger, like online? Um, because it seems like there's a lot of division online, even more so in the past few years. I'm online a lot, and could be, that's where, where I like to work. And I feel like I see it more than I used to see it online, yeah. the division and the anger. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's, we've got some pretty good evidence that there is more anger online than there used to be. Um, I think some of this just comes from... Um, I think there's a lot of a, a lot of different elements here. One is anger. We've we've got some research out there that shows us that anger spreads more rapidly than other emotions online. People are more likely to tweet things that make them angry or retweet things and uh, that make them angry. Um, people are are likely to vent online in ways they aren't in person. And um, I think there's even some research that points to how people are likely to spread news that makes them angry. Uh, so if they come across a st- you know, an article that makes them mad, they're, they're likely to share that uh, with people. And so, you know, all of that really speaks to why anger spreads so readily. I also think another piece of this, though, is that um, I think people who are turned off by uh, the, the anger and hostility that they see online that they have decided, in many cases, they sort of check out of that platform. And so, and so this is anecdotal, but I know many people who find particular venues, like Twitter, for example, to be a little too hostile. And they say, you know, I, I don't want to engage there because mm-hmm. it, it ends up being, there's, there's just too much aggression and too much hostility. And so um, in some ways, I, I suspect that that might be driving some of the success of platforms like Snapchat, um, where you still have issues of, of hostility and bullying potential, but you don't have the same, you're, you're not exposing yourself or opening yourself up to strangers the same way um, that you are with something like Twitter. Yeah, and I think that you're right. I think there are some people that back off because I think they realize that a lot of that hostility online and a lot of those arguments online, you can't win. Right. There's no winning arguments online. Yep. Yes. I mean, that's absolutely true. I mean, uh, you know, I can hardly think of a single argument I've been involved in or witnessed online where I feel like one person has actually said, 
you're right. I understand. You know, I'm thinking about it differently now, right? That just doesn't happen <laughs> the same way. <laughs> and, you know, it's just, and there's also, I think, political scientists have some, and I'm not directly familiar with this, but have some research that shows that um, people become more uh, kind of locked into their beliefs when they are shown evidence to the contrary. And that, you know, it, it, the opposite of what you would expect would happen, right? You show someone data that show, tells them that they're wrong, and instead of people realizing, oh, I guess I'm wrong, they become more locked into their position. And, you know, and so it, it, that's going to be very true in an online environment. People aren't going to come around. And so once people realize that, I think people sort of check out and say, well, this, this isn't the place to discuss some of these issues. And, and there's two ways of checking out. One is that you can not engage, right? You can decide, mm-hmm. oh, I'm, not gonna, I'm just not going to argue with people. Um, or post, you know, pol- politics and sports tend to bring this out more than any other, anything else. But I'm going <laughs> to um, not post my political opinions and things like that. Um, the other is to just say, well, I'm going to avoid that platform altogether, right? You know, Twitter is too hostile a place or Facebook is too hostile a place and I don't have time for that, so I'm just going to check out. Right, and I've seen a lot of posts, no matter what they are, turn political or whatever the person that might want to spread a little anger, um, they can turn it any way they want to. Yeah, yep. <laughs> there is definitely that is definitely true. There, there are people who who sometimes go to those sources, sort of looking for a fight a little bit, and uh, and and you know try and kind of blow things up. I think one of the <laughs> just personally, I, I had an interaction interaction once when I was when I posted something about how much I loved the show Breaking Bad, and. Somebody, somebody came after me, <laughs> you know, who didn't agree or, was, you know, they were upset about something else I had said at a different time, and it turned into, a, a, you know, more of an argument than I would ever have thought could come from, hey, I really love this show. <laughs> oh, my goodness. How dare yeah. you, Ryan? Okay, so, Ryan, yeah. we're going to go to break, and we're going to okay. come back, and we're going to talk about why it is that some of us are losing our cool and others of us are losing our peace. We'll be right back. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. At Sarah Care, we provide daytime activities and health related care for seniors who need assistance and support during the day. It is 101 activities at home by dinner. While we pride ourselves on the quality of our care, the Sarah Care Way sees beyond your loved one's needs to understand them as a unique individual. We care for individuals with chronic diseases, memory loss, stroke, Parkinson's disease, or those who may be feeling depressed and isolated. Our program is designed to encourage seniors to remain involved in activities of their choice, customized to meet their interests and abilities. Our outings include lunch at favorite restaurants and trips to the movies, concerts, or shopping at a cost that is less than five hours of in-home care. Your family member can attend one of our centers all day and be cared for by professional nurses and activity assistants. Transportation and financial assistance is available. Call 1-800-472-5544 today to learn how Sarah Care can help or visit us on the web at sarahcare.com. That's S-A-R-A-H care.com. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening. 
listening to Caught Between Generations. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to drmerrill at caughtbetweengenerations.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, my name is Deanna, and I'm sitting in for Dr. Merrill Griff today, who is out on vacation. And today we're talking about anger, and I'm talking to Dr. Ryan Martin. He's a psychologist and anger researcher at the University of Wisconsin-Green Bay. Welcome back, Ryan. Yes, glad to be back. Uh, all right, so we've been having um, a quite quite the interesting conversation on anger and Ryan, we wanna we were talking about online anger and the spread of anger, but really I think we need to turn the picture inward. And we need to start thinking about the anger that we all have inside of ourselves. And how do we recognize when we have anger that's healthy? And how do we recognize unhealthy anger or when our when our anger is turning from maybe healthy to unhealthy? Can you kind of start talking yeah. about that? Absolutely. So, you know, one of the places I start with people is that I think one of the best sort of uh, quote-unquote anger management tips out there is for people to really um, search for insight about themselves uh, to start to better understand kind of the uh, essentially the anger process, I mean, how and why people get mad, um, and to understand what particular things make them uh, mad and, and to start recognizing those things. And, and the best way to do that is first and foremost to start paying attention. And I guess mm-hmm. actually I'm going I'm to back up even more and say first and foremost is to recognize that anger actually comes from within us. And the reason I say that is because so often you will hear people say, that person made me mad or I wouldn't get angry if other people weren't messing with me, that sort of thing. And so they're externalizing the emotion. They're saying, the reason I'm mad is because of something someone else did. And don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. that, that is sometimes true, um, that other people, that something someone else did would make anyone mad. And it's really ultimately, yes, this provocation <laughs> was significant enough that it's, it, it's the provocation that caused this. But a lot of times, anger exists in this sort of middle place where it's a com- it's you know what we talked about before the the provocation and how you're responding to that provocation. And I think once people make that shift and they start to think about what role they're playing in um, in that and how they're interpreting that provocation, I think that they can start to think more about um, kind of what what some of their hot button issues are and uh, and things like that. And so I always encourage people to, um, to kind of reflect on situations and pay attention to themselves and pay attention to how they're feeling and pay attention to some of the thoughts they're having while they're in that moment. Um, so I'm going to share a quick story if I can. When I, when I was yes. a young, a very young researcher, this is probably 2001, maybe 2002, I was on my way to a conference in Chicago. And mm-hmm. I got trapped in this terrible rainstorm, and it was my first ever professional conference. And um, I got trapped in this rainstorm that, you know, prevented me from, from getting there in any kind of, uh, well, to, from getting there on time. And I sat in the car, and I sort of shouted at the heavens about, you know, how can this be happening to me? You know, this is terrible. It's going to ruin my day, my conference, my career. You know, my advisor's going to be furious with me. I was in grad school at the time, all of these things. And... 
after a while of this, I stopped and said, you know, <laughs> you're an anger researcher. Maybe, maybe <laughs> give some thought to why you're feeling this way. And I started walking through all the thoughts I was having and reflecting on, okay, is this going to ruin my career? Probably not. Um, is, this, is my advisor going to be mad? Hopefully he'll understand. He, he might get mad, but, you know, hopefully he'll, he'll be able to understand that this was something I couldn't prevent. Um, mm-hmm. And I started walking through all those things and realizing that so much of my, I, I was taking an unfortunate situation and I was making it, A, about me, right? How can this be happening mm-hmm. to me as though I'm the only person in Chicago? And, <laughs> and B, I was making it, um, uh, I, I was making it so much worse than it actually was in my mind. Uh, I, was, I was catastrophizing. And I think that's a process that, you know, I was gifted with a whole lot of time to, to think about this, but I think it's a process we can engage in anytime we're mad, is asking ourselves those questions. Why am I feeling this way? Um, and, uh, and what types of thoughts am I having? How are those thoughts? Are, are those thoughts realistic? Are they um, exacerbating the situation? And if we keep doing that over time, we, we start to notice patterns. We start to notice sort of hot-button issues. You know, I, I know for me, one of my issues is that I do not like to be late for things. And, it, <laughs> it, it, um, and so anytime I'm starting to feel a little bit pressed for time, I start to find myself getting frustrated. Um, it's, it's when I'm most likely to kind of snap at my kids. It's when I'm most likely to get frustrated behind the wheel. And, but now that I know that about myself, I, I'm, I'm, I'm aware of it in the moment. I also work really hard never to, to you know, let, let time or get behind uh, that right. way because I don't want to feel that way and I don't want to treat people badly because I'm feeling that way. Yeah, I was going to say, you either, you're either a late person or you're an early person. There doesn't right. seem to, to be a whole lot of in-between. And right. if you're an early person, late people tend to make you mad as well. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, it's funny you mentioned it. I was going to ask you if you personally changed through your research. And it, so it sounds like you did, that you can't study something like anger and not change. So it sounds like along with your study, that there was that, that change and that insight into the process and into yourself as well. So did you, do you feel like you have changed to the point where you understand yourself better? And are you less angry, more angry? How do you see yourself now? Um, that's a, uh, a really good question. And I'll, I'll even add, I guess, when, so before college and before going to graduate school, I came from a family that, that wasn't afraid to express its anger. And so there was even, um, people oftentimes referred to it, particularly when we talked about the, the men in my family, um, you know, the Martin temper, uh, that there was a tendency to yell and a tendency to get mad easily. And, and that's kind of, you know, I grew up surrounded by that. And, um, and, I, and I think one thing I would say, too, is, you know, when it comes from why are some people angrier than others is a lot of this is just what is modeled for us when we're growing up. You know, what do we see our parents or caregivers expressing, our siblings, and so on? You know, how do they tend to express their emotions? And, you know, if there's a golden rule of emotion research, it's um, that, uh, you know, we tend to express our emotions the way our, our, our parents or caregivers did. 
Um, and so I was, I would say I did tend to, exp- I don't know if I was angrier than most people, but I did tend to express it outwardly uh, in, a, in a more kind of hostile or aggressive manner. Um, and, I th- and, and that's why I think I found the kids I was working with so intriguing. And so, you know, that that, that is what jumped out at me about them is because that was, that was something that was probably true of me at that age. Um, but I think that... Um, when, uh, you know, and so I guess the answer to your question, absolutely. I mean, I think I've really found that by studying this for so long and by, you know, you know writing about it and things like that, that I have been able to, to find ways to kind of better deal with it and better express it and think about my, myself differently. And I'd say not just anger, but emotions in general um, are, are things that I feel like I'm better able to manage um, and not just in me, but um, in my kids and things like that. Yeah, I think that's that's a really important piece of um, just even the whole conversation that as as you process this and as you research that it you're not talking from somebody who just read it and shared the information. You're talking from the point of it's done something in you as well. And so I think that's really valuable. Um, do men and women, ha- how, how is anger different for men and women? Or is it different or isn't it different? I mean, I think I know it's different, but how is it different? Yeah, good question. So um, the, the data we have says that when it comes to the experience of emotion, uh, meaning how often they feel it, uh, there aren't a whole lot of differences. Both men and women tend to get angry at about the same uh, rate and the same amount, um, even this kind of same frequency or intensity, excuse me. Um, there is some data that says that men tend to um, express it uh, outwardly. Uh, women tend, and, and by that I mean, you know, yelling, screaming, hitting, pushing, whatever, um, that, that men and, uh, tend to do that. Women tend to internalize a little bit more. And I do want to be clear that some of those differences are, are, are pretty small, right? And so you'll see plenty mm-hmm. of, of people who do the opposite. Um, I, I also think there's a lot of evidence that says that, um, uh, that women are judged much, much more negatively when they express their anger outwardly. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, there was a, a study a few years ago, and I'm, I'm not going to remember the author's name right now, but um, there's a study a few years ago that found that men are perceived as more competent when they express their anger outwardly. Women were perceived as less competent when they express their anger outwardly. So there's very different consequences um, for, for different genders based on you know, how they tend to express it. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, when you when you talk about anger, um, I think that women do. We try to stuff, and it probably comes out many different ways. So it probably comes out like sadness. It probably comes out like depression. Um, so it doesn't necessarily always come out like anger for women. Right. And and yeah. I've always heard. Go ahead. No, please. <laughs> so I, I what I've also heard, and I don't know if you can tell me that um, anything that you've learned about this, but I've heard that anger is really fear and that anger is, um, or fear is masked is anger. And oh, so okay. did you find that in any of your research? Yeah, I, those are, there's a couple different versions of this. 
you know, this idea that, you know, anger, is, so sometimes it's that anger is really fear. Sometimes people talk about anger being depression and that, you know, that is it's sort of depression turned outward. Um, it, but yet I've also heard people say that anger is depression turned inward. Um, I think it, it's complicated in the sense that that's probably true in some people, that some people, mm-hmm. you know, when they're scared, they don't know how to deal with it, and so they, anger is much more comfortable for them, so they sort of reappraise things in their mind to, to, be, uh, you know, to, to, to be more consistent with anger, um, and that that is all sort of a psychological process that, that helps them do what they're feeling comfortable with. Um, and I think that's probably true. I mean, to me, what that really speaks to more than anything is that um, there's a ton of overlap amongst emotions. You know, we tend to talk about these things as though they exist in a vacuum and that you can only be one thing at a time, but that's definitely not true, right? People can feel all emotions you know, or various emotions at different times. And, um, and sometimes, yeah, sometimes, you know, you, I mean, you know, I think everybody can tell a story about some time where, you know, maybe their child gets away from them at the, at the mall. They can't find them, and so they're scared, scared, scared. You know, what's happened, what's happened? And then they find them, and, they, and that fear suddenly turns into anger. Like, how could you walk away from me or something like that? And, you know, and, and, oh, I am, I've been there. <laughs> yes, yeah. And, you know, so that, that might be an example of the kind of thing you're talking about where this, where this fear turns into something different. And, and I, think, um, I think that is... Uh, I think that's definitely real. Um, uh, to me, sometimes what this really comes down to is that uh, at the heart of it, it's, uh, when we feel like things are not right, not the way they're supposed to be, we emote. And then what comes out of that, uh, that emotion is sometimes a combination of anger and fear and, and sadness, you know, and and maybe as, as a person, we're more inclined to feel a particular way because it's comfortable to us. Um, and there is some good research out there that shows that people are more comfortable feeling anger, right? That doesn't feel as upsetting to people as, uh, as fear or certainly sadness. Yeah, and you know, it's really interesting as we're thinking about this question, is anger really fear or does it, does fear or does anger mask as fear? Um, and I've heard people talking about their disappointment and how they now view the world mm-hmm. and that they're disappointed and they're frustrated with how people treat each other, with what's happening in the world, um, and that they think that there's a loss of respect and kindness and that the, the way that the world used to be has changed. And so... When I talk to somebody, and actually it's somebody in my neighborhood, I mean, she talks a lot about that. And so I think that there's a, maybe a lot of that mixture of um, emotions coming out. It's, it's a bit of fear. It's a bit of anger. You know, where are we at as a society? How can we repair, you know, some of the things that feel out of control right. in either our society or in our communities or in our families even as we think about being, you know, the caregivers that listen to this show, it's not just the big world. Sometimes it's just in a home that's broken and the emotions are, they're hard and they're kind of volatile and they're kind of, you know, they're out there. (laughs) They're being felt all over the place. And, you know, one of the things I'd say too about that relationship between anger and fear that I think is really important is that, um, 
some people point to one of the big differences between those two emotions is how much power a person feels like they have and in in that particular situation and so if you imagine for for a second you know you're you're walking home and somebody confronts you and i don't know tries to take your wallet or something like that you know if you are in that situation and and that person is bigger than you and that person is holding a weapon or something like that and you have no power um, and, and you feel like you, you know, are more likely to be uh, essentially a victim, um, then you're going to get scared. Now, if you take that exact same situation, but the person is considerably smaller than you, they're not holding a weapon, you feel like you can escape, you feel like you might even be able to fight back and win, then you might be more inclined to get angry, right? That the emotion that comes up isn't, I'm afraid, it's how could you, how, you know, why are you doing this to me? That kind of thing. And... Um, and so I think, you know, and this speaks to a couple different things, right, because it, it speaks to why there's so much anger online, because that's an environment where I don't think people are feeling threatened, uh, you know, uh, mm. in the same way. You know, that's an environment where people aren't uh, fearful for their safety because they, they you know, they, have, they feel like they're, they're safe and they can have power in that situation. Um, I also think it speaks, though, to um, some of what you were just saying about, you know, living in a in a world where um, you know that just isn't that pe- doesn't feel like people like it used to. Um, you know, where people mm-hmm. are not as kind to one another, and I do think that part of what's taking over right now is a feeling of helplessness. It's a feeling of um, you know, there's I can't fix this, and that that inability to fixing is leading to the sense of fear for the direction we're going, um, and you know this. I, I, there's nothing I can do about it, and that that sense leads to feelings of kind of fear and trepidation. Oh, I think you're right, and I think I landed on the word power. Mm-hmm. And there are things in our control that we have power to change, and then there's there's those things that are really out of our control. And matter of fact. Um, we're going to go to break. And so that's out of my control. And so we'll be right back to talk to you, Ryan, in just a few minutes. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Where's your dad? What's he doing? You'd know if he was at Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities. You'd know he's enjoying a full day of cooking, computers, yoga, golfing, and he's home by dinner. You'd know Sarah Care LPN and RN Nursing Care is with him to ensure he gets the right medications at the right dosages. You'd know. How's your dad? He's just fine. At Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities. Call 330-451-6108 for one free day of care at Sarah Care. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN. The Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Are you finding your frequency? 
It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Listening to Caught Between Generations. To reach our program today, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Dr. Merrill at CaughtBetweenGenerations.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, welcome back. This is Deanna, and I'm sitting in today for Dr. Merrill Griff. And we're having a conversation today with Dr. Ryan Martin, psychologist and anger researcher at the University of Wisconsin, Green Bay. And he's been talking about anger and the different emotions that we have, how we can have healthy anger, how we can examine and um, pay attention to it in ourselves and how we can express it in positive ways. And so welcome back, Ryan. Hello. (laughs) Hi. And so um, I think when when we went on break, we were uh, discussing just a lot of different things about power and the feeling of helplessness and fear and anger mixed together. And we're going since we're kind of in that space, I'd like to talk about anger and aggression. Mm-hmm. So sometimes anger moves over to what is aggression and rage, and that's more of a unhealthy anger, correct? Right. Yep. So really, um, you know, when it comes to kind of anger and aggression, this is, I think, first of all, I think a lot of people sort of mix up these two things. And so um, I always like to try and help people uh, see how they might be different. And so, um, you know, basically anger is an emotion, right? It's, it's a feeling state. And, and it's associated, it's, it's a feeling state with the, um, where there's a desire to lash out at someone, either physically or, or verbally or in some way. But, you know, you don't, you don't have to act on that desire. Um, mm-hmm. But the desire might be there to lash out in some way. Aggression, meanwhile, is a behavior, right? So it is um, a behavior where there is an intent to hurt someone or something. And... Um, so that's hitting, that's pushing, that's screaming, that's uh, you're screaming obscenities at someone or something like that. And I, I bring up the difference because um, they because they aren't the same. Yes, a lot of times when we're angry, we act aggressively. But a lot of times when we're angry, we also cry, we pout, we you know mm. um, kind of um, you know kind of go into a shell. We tell people we're fine when we're really not fine, etc. And I think that's a really important distinction because the other side is true, too, that there are people who are aggressive where anger isn't the primary emotion, right? They might be aggressing out of fear. Um, They might be aggressing, uh, I mean, one of the questions I often ask my students, I have have a lot of hunters up here in Green Bay, and, you know, when they go out hunting and with the intention of killing a deer, they're not mad at the deer, right? That's that's not Mm -hmm. what's motivating that behavior, 
um, it's motivated by something else. And, and so even, you know, there's lots of times when we can be either angry or aggressive and it's, those things are separate. Okay, so I'm thinking about um, the aggression again, and I'm thinking about some of the people that are listening, that they're caregivers. And I think, again, there's that mix where some of the people that they're caring for may be angry because of some of the medical conditions that they may be living with, or they may even become aggressive and agitated because of something like dementia Mm -hmm. um, or Alzheimer's. And so are there ways that we can, and I just, you know, thought of this and we hadn't discussed um, talking about this, but really is, are there questions that we can ask some our loved ones to get them thinking, you know, what's going on? Are we able to do that for somebody else or is that even not possible? Well, one of the difficulties when it comes to, um, when it comes to aggression in people with dementia or Alzheimer's is that, you know, sometimes what's, what is a, a big part of that pro- problem is a lack of impulse control. And, mm-hmm. and, that's, and that it, lack of impulse control is the result of, of brain pathways simply not working the way they once did. And, um, and you know, in, impulse control happens in the brain. It happens by and large in this part of the brain near the front called the prefrontal cortex. And, and that's where we you know, stop ourselves from punching someone or yelling someone, uh, something at someone. It's also where we stop ourselves from running away in fear or, or a host of other things. But, um, you know, you really run into an issue that is that some people can't control things the way other people can. And I think that people with dementia and Alzheimer's are going to fall uh, into that that category, you know, that, that may simply not be able to, uh, to control certain impulses. Um, and that's a really difficult thing to right. deal with or to, to work with and a really sad thing um, to know. Um, or would there be, and so obviously we're not medical doctors and this would be really an issue for a medical doctor to work with a family about and, and really come to, you know, decide how to handle those things. So I guess maybe you did answer the question that there really isn't a lot of questions um, right. that could dig into that anger, maybe working then with a medical doctor that way. But for right. the rest of us, the rest of us have um, the ability to work through the questions, right. I think. Okay. And so well, so can I ask my husband these questions? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Are there questions well, I can ask well, him? And let me back up too to to say you know one of the one of the ways that you can work with someone you know in, in, with dementia and Alzheimer's other than medical interventions is to think about you know the the language you're using around and trying to minimize particular types of provocations you know and so you know instead of saying the word no utilize redirections and things like that and kind of distraction approaches because with them the, the goal might be well let's try our hardest to keep them from getting angry knowing that anger is going to lead to a difficulty controlling those impulses when it comes to uh, you know other people and working with other people um, I, I think to me it really goes back to people asking themselves or, or trying to encourage people to ask themselves why they are um, why they're angry what is driving that kind of um, and to to move the focus away or to move the focus away from the provocations to what am I bringing to this 
right? So yeah, okay. you know, nobody likes to get stuck at red lights, but what is it about me that is making this so much worse than for the car next to me, you know, who's, who's mm-hmm. maybe not fuming about this? What, is the, what, what do I bring uh, to this situation? So are you saying it's probably not a good idea for me to look at my husband and say, what are you bringing to this right now? <laughs> Right. <laughs> While we're sitting in traffic. Yes. But to model think, it myself. <laughs> I think timing is probably key in this in this whole scenario. You know, it's it's one of the the difficult uh, pieces about um, sometimes working with angry clients is that sometimes when people are, or just angry people in general, sometimes when people are angry, it, it's a good time to to talk to them about what they're experiencing. Sometimes it's a bad time to talk to them about what they're experiencing, and that people do become a little bit locked in. Um, when they're angry, they're a little bit defensive, and so they don't necessarily want to think about what they're bringing to the table. Um, but maybe there's an opportunity later when you know they're less angry about things to say, um, you know, hey, earlier today, you know, what what was going on? Or I've noticed that sometimes when we're running late, you get a little bit, you know, snappish or whatever, and kind of have that have a, a talk about that. Okay. I guess that's a better way to deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, so, one thing I can tell you has probably never worked in the history of, of humankind, and that is encouraging, not that you were going to do this, but, in, but telling people, hey, just relax. <laughs> or, oh, just that's down, the right? worst. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just chill out. I don't get just relax. I get just chill out. Yes, yeah. That's just as bad. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so tell us some healthy ways that we can, now that we can recognize or maybe recognize anger a little bit more or maybe we can become a little bit more comfortable with anger inside of us because it's an emotion Mm -hmm. and we can use it positively we don't have to use it negatively although some people do use it negatively and although people can push it towards aggression and rage we can use it in positive ways so um what are some healthy ways to deal with our anger yeah, so I'm going to run through a couple different examples real quick. One is I'm going to say just various types of relaxation approaches, deep breathing, yoga, um, you know, visualization procedures, things like that um, can be really, really good. I mean, just as simple as taking a deep breath in a, in a moment of tension or, or anger can, can help uh, go a long way to calm down a little bit. And so that's something you can do about the actual kind of essentially the feeling state piece one is another thing is obviously what I've already talked about. It's about evaluating the types of thoughts you're having and thinking through those. So, you know, am I catastrophizing right now? Am I, you know, being too demanding or, or whatever? But the third thing I'm going to say, and this is truly my favorite, is um, I, I tend to think of anger more often than not being associated with, it, it comes up when you have a problem, right? And so mm-hmm. you, you have identified there, there is a problem and it's making you mad. And uh, I just used terrible anger language there. Sorry, but you have a problem and you're coming. <laughs> you, it made me mad. Yep, exactly. Um, but it, it, uh, it's, um, you know, you're, you're feeling angry uh, in response to this problem. One of the things you can do is try and identify ways of solving that problem, particularly if it's something that keeps coming up, right? So if every day you find yourself on your way out the door feeling like your kids are moving a little bit too slow, Let's try and address that. Um, let's try and figure out what are some things we can do to, to solve this, right? If you've got some, you know, if you're consistently losing your car keys and uh. you find yourself often feeling frustrated, 
try and come up with a way of, of solving that particular problem. Um, Apparently that my real- family talked to you before this interview, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, go ahead. Yeah, no, it's, those are the things that I think really work, um, is that kind of, of problem solving. But what I usually tell people truly is, is, you know what, think about what the desired outcome is. What do you, what do you want this situation to look like? And then think about how to get to that desired outcome. And so if you, you know, if, if what you really want and the reason why you're frustrated is because you can't sort of seamlessly get out the door in the morning and get the kids to school, okay, think about that desired outcome and then think about, okay, so what things, sorts of things have to change uh, about my situation that I can control uh, in order to do that? Maybe we start earlier, maybe I get up a little earlier, whatever. You know, what are ways that I can solve this problem? So it sounds like you're giving us our power back. Yes. Yep. I'm thinking, I'm encouraging people to think about the things that they can control in these situations because those are the things that we can try and adjust. Okay, where do we find you, Ryan? Online? Uh, on Twitter, I am RyeCMart. Um, you can also check out my blog, which is uh, blog.uwgd.edu slash alltherage. Um, we also have a podcast um, that mm-hmm. is available on iTunes and Google Play. It is called All the Rage. Um, and actually, just real quick plug for season two, which is coming out uh, next, actually in, in October. Um, we're going to be looking actually at something a little bit different than anger, but it's, it's an anger and violence podcast. And we're going to be talking about human trafficking. Um, and so we've got a six episode series uh, exploring uh, human trafficking, talking to survivors, uh, talking to um, uh, economists, uh, care, uh, aftercare providers, and so on. Thank you for that. You know, we actually had a speaker come in and talk about human trafficking, and it's it's a really important topic, and it it really affects um, all of us, and it affects our families and our communities, and I think that um, we need to continue to talk about that. Yeah, some of the stories, in fact, just today I was speaking with a, a survivor, and her story is absolutely incredible, and um, something that ultimately I walked away realizing that could happen to anyone. Um, that, you know, it, it was really remarkable, um, kind of what she went through and, and she's doing great now and I'm happy to, I'm happy to report that, but it is sad, uh, so, so tragic, uh, all she had to go through to, uh, to get, to get, uh, out of it. Yeah. Um, and you know what, I thank you that you've, you've had us look, you know, inside ourselves and outside ourselves and to kind of take a look at the world, sort of where we're at. Um, where we've been and how we can be a part of making that better so that um, just the world around us can be better so that we can be better and that others can be better and we can have better relationships with the people in our families and in our world. So thank you, Ryan. You bet. Thank you. Okay. And you know what? I just wanted to say Meryl always says, do one thing for yourself this week. And even though she's not here, she's checking in and she's going to be looking forward to your emails and she wants to know what you've done for yourself. She wants to know how you like the show. She'll take your questions and she's looking forward to being back and talking with you next week. So take care. Have a great day. (music) 
you for tuning in to Caught Between Generations with Dr. Mel Griff. Our program is live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We hope to see you here next week. again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the voice america health and wellness channel for more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest please visit voiceamericahealth.com the voice america talk radio network is the worldwide leader in live internet talk radio visit voiceamerica.com the views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the voice america talk radio network it's staff and management.